Hey friends, and welcome to another episode of Fresh Aesthetic, the show where we embark on the search for truth and meaning through creativity, art, and pop culture. I'm your host, Stephen Garson, and I'm joined by my co-host and longtime friend, Matt Goodat. In our last conversation, we discussed writer's block and how to overcome the mind blanks that stop us from creating. Writer's block can become so bad that it puts us off even sitting down to create in the first place. In today's episode, we continue on in the creative process by talking about fear of failure. I say it every time, but I really love this convo and felt it went deep even for our standards. We touch on what Western culture defines as success and how it can be such an empty pit or a forever disappearing mirage. We also talk quite a bit about burnout later in the conversation and how to maintain healthy boundaries between personal life and work life. I'm so glad you're here today. If you enjoy this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend and leaving a rating on Spotify or a review on Apple Podcasts. But enough of me talking and on to the episode. Let's hit it. Hello and welcome to Fresh Aesthetic with Stephen Garten and Matthew Goodett and we are terrified of failure but we won't admit that. So today we're going to unpack that. We're going to talk about that. What is failure? First of all, um, it's a shifting definition. And so we need to define what failure is before we move into the grounds of why we're afraid of it and what it is that terrifies not only artists and creatives, but um, everyone uh, in, in whatever field or industry that they're in. The putting yourself out there, um, when you have something in mind and defining what it means to win and what it means to lose is a terrifying thing. And so, yeah, why don't we start there, Stephen? What do you think it means to fail? Just not being good enough. That's that's what it feels like to me, is being scared that I'm not good enough. Um, and, and maybe that comes from a, a really deep fear underneath everything. You know, you most most actions that we have are just responses to childhood traumas and and the way they shape us and and turn into our personalities so it's it's this deep fear that people aren't going to like me that's that's what it is yeah for me and um or that you know you'll put your best out there and it's not going to be good enough you know um you'll and i think this comes into imposter syndrome as well of you you do everything you can and throw everything at it. And it's it's like all your defenses have come down because if you're not trying, you can have uh, the thing of going, well, oh, well, I didn't even really try that hard. So it's it's not a big deal. Um, it doesn't really mean anything. Cause, and, and that can be a defense mechanism. You don't try so that people can't see past that or, or go, well, you tried your best and it still wasn't good enough then it's like, well, who you really are is in question. And I think that really comes into showing the true true self, false self, where the true self is actually underneath all of that and it's got nothing to do with what you can do or achieve or your talents and gifts and things. It's it's the river, it's the ocean underneath. Um, those those things on the top, the, the ways that we try and sell ourselves as – yeah, look at me. I'm good enough. I can do this. I'm okay. I'm you. You. You, de- you should desire me. And can you please tell me that I'm okay? And keep telling me that I'm okay because I need you to. Um, and I, th- yeah, we have needs. We're humans, but it, I really think it it challenges some deep um, insecurity 
within us that that fear that we're not going to be good enough. And do you think that I wonder as you're saying that like the the private failure and the public failure can almost be two different things because I don't mind getting it wrong if nobody sees. <laughs> I don't mind like uh you know I'm writing a song and and it's like a, you know it's a terrible song and I play it to my wife and she's like that's, that's terrible. Uh or she'll she'll be quite blunt and just be like it doesn't have enough melody. I'm like oh yeah okay. But uh, if I was live streaming that, we, <laughs> it would be a different story. Um, do you think that's got something to do with the, that we care so much uh, and get so much of our creative identity from what other people label it? Yeah, that's, it's funny. It's like there's, as they mean less and less to you their opinion seems to mean more and more to you. Oh, wow. It's weird. It's like, I mean, yeah. you're, you're playing in front of your wife and you don't care, right? Because <laughs> you're completely safe around her. You're completely yourself and you're completely okay with just putting it out there. And if she says, uh, I don't like it, it's, it's not hitting any sort of insecurity inside of you. But you do that in front of complete strangers and suddenly it's terrifying, mm. which is kind of bizarre, really. But it's it's this weird um, facade and mask that we put on. I mean, it's funny coming out of COVID life, wearing a mask every day. Um, and it's like, everybody wears masks anyway. This is quite deep, but they just oh, either aren't aware of it or yeah, metaphorically or they're, or they're not, yeah, they're, they're not conscious that they are, you know, you putting on a mask when you go and talk to somebody, you might, be feeling really stinking. Somebody's like, oh, yeah, you going? And you're like, yeah, great, great. And, and have a, have a little, uh, fatic communion conversation. Mm. Um, but really underneath there's something else going on. Yeah. And so you, you only show that to the ones that you're really close to and, and, uh, that you've let your guard down enough to show that the real you, but it's always terrifying. I watched a movie the other night that was like, saying how terrifying it is to give your heart to somebody because it's like you're giving away that most vulnerable self, that self that can be penetrated because you've taken all the shields away. Yeah, I get that because um, like as you were saying that, I was just thinking of my business and for me failure would look like the business going bankrupt, me not being able to make a success out of the business. And so when people ask me if I know them, like yourself and and people who are close in my circle, the answer I usually give is, oh, it's you know it's good and bad, you know it's got its moments and it's it's quite a struggle. And if somebody who doesn't know me very well or I don't know very well, I'll always say to them, oh yeah, it's going really good. And, and as you were saying, I was thinking, yeah, like I'm afraid for the people I don't know to give them this idea that I'm not doing well. Um, but the people who do know me, there's almost, I know that they've got an empathy and, and a compassion and that they wouldn't hold that against me if I was failing. They wouldn't blame me for it. They wouldn't, they, they see the bigger picture, you know, and they know, uh, they know me. Whereas when people don't know me, I don't trust them. I don't trust that you're not going to uh, criticize me. And I, the it's hard to detach myself from their, from their opinion and, I know logically that I can't, but I find it so hard 
you like why is it so hard to detach ourselves from that false opinion because this is like the cliche thing um over imposter syndrome get over imposter syndrome like we've we've heard that but it's like then man it's so hard when you know that there's these opinions don't matter but they're still cutting you yeah it's the weirdest thing um and it's like this game that we play in life where we're we're just if you've shown enough to someone like possibly if you've got a good relationship with your parents they would have seen all the weaker sides of you so you're completely okay with just mm-hmm. being fully raw with them um if, if you have had a great relationship with them um but in in with someone else it's like you want to put on the show you go out and you put on this mask and like you don't want to show weakness or something um because maybe you're scared that you won't be okay you mean i mean it might come from um our primitive years you know like in a tribe you're you're worried about um, not fitting in with the tribe, you're not, you're, you won't get your needs met somehow if you show too much weakness or you might be left behind or something like that. It, it could be a leftover thing from that. But yeah, it's just really crazy how much we care about other people's opinions of us, even complete strangers on the internet. So how do, how do we stop that? Like what's the, is there a technique? Oh man, I don't. I, I don't think there is actually now. I, I just said that and as soon as I said it, it was like, Somebody would be talking about it. <laughs> yeah, it's so hard. Um, I, I guess it comes back to, like we say so many times on here, is, is letting go of the ego, that ego's desire to be the greatest and to win and to climb over everybody to get to the top. Um, mm. It wants to butter people up so you can, you know, you can enjoy the benefits of having like acquaintances who um you have you know you're you're in good standing with them and and they'll support you they'll support you you. yeah so maybe it's maybe it's part of that who knows it's funny how we do that eh like um we want to build a tribe that supports us around us and and that's great uh but we can't get our identity from that tribe and we so often do we try and pull from that to try and get an idea of who we are you know, where we're going, what, you know, get a a narrative for our life. And I think it's really important to, to be able to know in a deep, like for me, I know in myself, when I think about it, when I take time aside and just, uh, for me, it's praying or meditating and just go like, what is like, I know, I just know, I know that I don't have worth attached to, uh, other people or a tribe, and that separates me from needing. And I think there's a freedom that comes from um, uh, meditating. I'm going to say meditating because there's so many words you can use here for this. But really is just the, the, the process of sitting still, being at peace and and just knowing and being free from all those things. And when people do that, they're less reactive and, and they respond rather than react. And there's just, and, and I think this has a huge play over into not only the creative process, because the creative process becomes less reactive and less trying to jump on the latest trends and trying to do all these things. It becomes more secure in itself and, and we become more secure in ourselves. And that's when you, you create great art. And I think there's a confidence that comes from that. So I guess I'm answering my own question here. I'm just processing out loud, but I think there is... There, there is something in knowing yourself that overcomes 
the fear of public condemnation, if that makes sense. Yeah, I was listening on a, a podcast today. It really struck me. Was person was saying like, how many times do we have to see somebody get to the top, get all the success, all the money, all the fame, and still be unhappy before it clicks to us that that's not real? Oh my goodness. And how do, why do we keep chasing it? it? Yeah, that's right. I mean, how many times have we seen that fail and be like, not what we're after? Like, this ain't it. It's like, you know, that where the, 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 the mouse or the rat in the bucket, where they put a lever of, um, what do you call it? Peanut butter. They put a peanut butter on the, uh, the lid of a, a bucket. And when the, the rat stands on it, it falls in the bucket but the crazy thing is like, you'd think that they would learn, but one rat watches the other rat falls in and then runs straight to the peanut butter because he's like, oh good, he's not there. I'll go get it now. Boom, he's in. The, the third rat's like, oh look, peanut butter. You know, those guys weren't very lucky. And it's like, we're doing that with success. Yeah, there's another experiment as well where um, there's, uh, I think they gave some sort of chemical substance or something to a rat. I don't know. Um, it seems kind of uh, cruelty to animals. But anyway, I guess, and it oh, would mate, be. They loved it, whatever chemical. Getting they did, speed. because what <laughs> happened was the rat kept coming back to this and basically kept having it until it, it died. Mm. And so it was like drugs are to humans. Um, and we just watched a movie the other night, a uh, beautiful boy, which was about um, father, Steve Carell, his son was addicted to meth. And, um, and it was a really fascinating story. I mean, of course it shows the, how addictions destroy lives and, and things like that, but it just showed the journey really well. And, how eventually the father who was so just cared for his son so much, but eventually had to let go and, and realize that he couldn't control his son's actions and, Mm. and, and being the help to him by letting him come and stay at his house and things was actually more enabling than it was anything else. And so there was this really fascinating character arc that went on there, but it's like what you're saying is, we're just, we see these things and how we're so prone to just want to chase the success, the fame, the money, the basic things that we know don't work and we know don't bring any sort of lasting happiness into our lives. Um, but yet we still go for them and we're scared of failure because we don't want to lose that. We don't want to miss out on that. Um, we want us. We want wow. to get that success, and that's like when you're attached to it. It's good when it's going good, but it's not good when it's going bad. And, and I think if you can, um, I'm saying this like I own this wisdom. It's it doesn't live in me yet. It's just a head knowledge, and it needs to become a heart knowledge. Um, but I suppose there's been some experience of it, but certainly not mature. That when you can lose something and still be okay. Like if you lost your, your job, your business, uh, a relationship, if you lost something and you could still be okay, it probably is an indicator that you're living from that, that right place. But li- living there is the, ma- the, to me, it's the maturing process of the human journey. And I would love to think 
I would love to think that that has grown in me over the past couple of years. But um, I know that it, it still is. There's practical things as well that come into play. Like if you lose your job, you're going to worry about providing for your family. So it's not just yourself. There's lots of things in there. But what I mean is that the ego attachment to an identity or the ego attachment to a, um, a position or a, a, a success story in your life that needs to not be there for you to be entirely healthy. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. And I mean, this is going to be rooted in so much um, mythology and and stories that we've grown up on, you know, like we grow up with these uh, Disney narratives of you're going to be not just, you're not just going to, you know, do what you need to do to live. You're going to be great. You're going to, you're going to win the princess. You're going to be the best, you know, you're going to inherit the kingdom, the whole thing. You're going to be this awesome success story. And that's what we crave. We crave that, Mm. that instant win. We don't want to go through the struggle either to get there. We want that instant win. Um, And that's what we're saying is that just, we know for a fact that when man gets that, they're not nice people or they're just not happy people. They're, they're yeah. not, they don't feel that true success of being okay in their own skin on planet earth. I think it's like, you know, cause we, we, we come from a, a, a church background. We, we have a faith. And so for me growing up, it's so funny that when I read the Bible, I would insert myself into the hero's role in the Bible. It was like, oh, I'm going to be the David that overcomes the Goliath. I'm going to be the Paul who is, you know, the founding father of the church. I'm going to be the the Jesus figure that goes and heals everyone. And I'm going to be all these images. And um, the reality is the majority of people in the Bible um, were unknown people in the crowd like Jesus had 70 disciples we only heard about 12 of them the early church had had lots of people and we only heard about the 12 apostles you know and, and a few a few other associates and then Paul writes go and, and lead quiet lives and so we're not just our culture doesn't just do this to industry and success it does it with faith and, and we have to be the heroes of our faith you know and we have to be yeah we have to be the superhero we're not content with just being content with what we have and extracting the juice of life and just being that ordinary um even the word ordinary you know what i mean like it's like we're allergic to it oh you can't be ordinary especially as an enneagram four you're speaking my language (laughs) (laughs) i think that sounds like death yeah being ordinary Um, normal and ordinary yeah how have you, you must have faced this a lot with your business, um, you know, starting out, creating your own business, uh, going into that space after being in a completely different world. How has this fear of failure been for you? I wasn't afraid of failure until I started succeeding. It was like, it doesn't matter because everybody knows I'm taking a risk. But then when it started working, I think the per- the perception is that people think, oh, you're in control now, now that it's working. Um, you know, you've, you've done something great, but if it fails, it's because of you. That's that's how I feel. And it might not be true, but the reality is um, 
it's not as black and white as that. You know, we were doing really good and then economic conditions got tight and sales dropped. Um, we had an issue with our online advertising, dropping all our ads because of an issue with the algorithm. Um, you know, we, ju- we just had co- constant uh, issues. We had one sale we made that was, you know, quite a reasonable sale and it was really boosting us uh, and, and encouraging us. We'd made this really big breakthrough in sales and then they returned all the items and, and, you know, um, not through a fault of their own. They just, they said, oh, look, it's not actually going to work. And, uh, so there's these things that are out of your control and that's terrifying because you're like, I could lose what I have and people are going to think that it's my fault. And it, part of me just goes, meh, whatever, you know, I'll keep going. But then the other part of me is like motivated by that fear to to not to not lose so in a sense that's a healthy thing but um or it has a good outcome I don't know if it's a healthy thing but it has a good outcome because it means that I'm going to keep building this and it's going to keep working and but yeah I I I it, it's a tough it's tough tough to think I'm trying to wrap my head around that more but yeah I don't know if that makes any sense it's interesting that you you find that, you know, once you've succeeded a little bit, that, um, it's worse for you and you're scared that people will think that it's your fault if it falls over. And mm. that's, that's really interesting to me. Cause I mean, like, what do you think of, okay, say another business goes un- goes bust in town. Would you think it was their fault? No. <laughs> this is, but this is a crazy thing. But you know what the other thing that's crazy is I'm like, oh, if I fail, um, then the last couple of years of my life have been a waste of time. Like I could have, I want to have something for the long term and I've wasted a couple of years of my life. But the truth is that I have enriched my life and built something, had this experience in this journey that has benefited me. But the the mental block is that, no, I've wasted my time. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think failure tricks you into thinking that. Failure makes you think you lost something instead of you actually did gain knowledge and growth and experience. Yeah. I mean, I had a, an interesting thought today. I was watching um, Marquis Brownlee just put out a video of himself reacting to videos from when he... Well, he started off with like just a couple of years ago, like he was watching his own videos from a couple of years ago, and then he watched some for like four years ago, and then he went right back, and he was reacting to his really, really early stuff, and he was like cringing hard, but I just I just thought it was so interesting because, I mean, like, we're coming up like, oh, not 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 quite a year on the pod, but it's, it's getting there, and... Um, we've been, you know, reaching out to plenty of people and, um, looking for ways to grow it and, and extend it as just something we really love to do. And like, we both of us really love talking to people, connecting with people and, um, just having interesting conversations and networking. And I mean, I love it. I know you love it and, um, just want to keep doing it basically. But you get a lot of no's. You get a lot of no's when you reach out to um, to people you think would be make really great um, people to interview. Um, and it was just really interesting watching him reacting to his old videos because it was like, man, 
he's been doing this for, I think it was 13 years and that's a long time. And you see like where he is now and you're like, like I'll never get there, Mm. you know, but then it's like, he's just been, he started off like anybody else. He was just a kid in his parents' house just in his bedroom, like recording on this really crappy webcam on his computer. And like, he was like cringing cause he was, um, he, he suddenly took off his glasses because he noticed that he, the screen was reflecting in his glasses. So he just panics and takes them off really fast. It's this journey, but we start off and we, and we think, Oh man, it's going nowhere. It's a failure. And, man, this fear of failure thing is just right up my alley. Like the imposter syndrome, the fear of failure, the, all these kinds of things, they play into this really, it must be some sort of insecurity somewhere. And do you think we've, we've misdefined success to be like that, uh, Disney, we win everything and we, we, we were in, win it really fast. Like we, we're not good at slow growth. We want exponential growth and we're in a culture that's like, if it doesn't happen within six months or a year, it, well, I know that I can be like that. And, and, you know, this translates into my business going, I want to grow it as fast and as big as I can. And then hitting this place of going, oh my goodness, this might take a long time and I'm going to have to not be in a rush and just go slow and appreciate the journey. And that has become more satisfying but i wonder if that translates into this idea that oh we failed if it's not that something crashes it's it we failed if it's not big and great fast yeah and i definitely have felt that over this year not just for the pod but for plenty of things in my life you know you just i don't know you think you're not getting anywhere like you you go through these patches and these seasons (laughs) where you're just like it feels like the middle of a desert and you're just trudging away and you're, you're oh, one step after the other and nothing's changing. The scenery around you is still exactly the same. And you think that you're never going to get anywhere or you're never going to achieve any of these dreams that you have. You're getting older. You're getting older. You're getting, you're, it doesn't matter. You can be a 12 year old. You're like, I'm getting older. I'm, pa- <laughs> I'm passing my prime. Like, <laughs> Oh man, it's, it's real. It's real. And it's, yeah. Hey, you know, uh, Morgan Freeman didn't start acting till it was what, forties or fifties. Um, the, I was, I was watching a thing recently about a, a runner. He was like a really good runner. Didn't start running till he was 70. Wow. He runs marathons now. Wow. So man, like the concept of time is the wrong, the wrong way to look at failure. Yeah, exactly. So we have this thing we call failure where we think we have an end goal in mind and we think we haven't got to it in six months. So therefore we're failed. (laughs) Sounds so funny. I'm not a billionaire by 30. Yeah. It sounds so funny when you say it out loud. Um, So we've defined our success point. We're saying we've failed because we haven't reached it or we're scared we will fail. So we never even start something that we're passionate about. Mm. I mean, that's another thing. How many people have that? Yeah. So maybe it's time to either redefine what success looks like or or find out what this root causes that drives unhappiness. You know, this this thing inside us that just wants more and more. And then like we were saying before, 
we've seen so many people make it to the quote unquote top and then there's nothing there. They realize, oh my goodness, the whole time, like they get there and it's just, they're still the same person. They're still deeply unhappy. They are still trying to fill the void with that, with whatever. Um, can we find out along the way that it's actually, this is the best bit, whatever's going on right now. Mm. Yep. My, my pastor once said to me, um, careful what ladder you climb. Cause you might get to the top and realize you're on the wrong wall you've climbed the ladder, but you got to the top and you're like, oh, I'm on the wrong wall. Um, and I want to take that a step further. Why are we even on ladders? <laughs> why, are we, why are we even climbing places? Because cherry pickers fall through the floor. Yeah. Do, do you remember that? <laughs> I remember. I Like had, the, like the oh, back of bro. your hand. You know, I had an experience the other night. I woke up in the night. Um, every it doesn't happen as much now, but every now I have anxiety, especially when I get too busy. And I woke up in the night and I was anxious that my building was going to burn down. And I was like, "Man, have I turned off the smoke detectors? Have I, did I turn them back on?" I was like, "Oh, that's right, I don't work there anymore." <laughs> it was like a PTSD from we had this haze machine in our last workplace, and uh, we had to turn the override switch for the smoke detectors off. But if they stayed off overnight and there was a fire, we'd be liable for a fire. So I was always worried about burning down the building. <laughs> I was getting like panic attacks, which is so funny. I can laugh about that now. But um, I, yeah, I had a flashback the other night. Oh, every time I hear the alarm sound, it's like oh. Oh, it just stabs a pain through your heart. It's like, oh, no. Um, oh. It's funny. I've actually been in contact with the fire service trying to uh, trying to get that sorted, but I have, I'm, I'm like terrified that even if I know that the override will override all of the, um, alarms that are needed to be overridden, that it'll still find a way, it'll still find it'll, that, that haze will seep out like across the courtyard into the building, like over there and go through the door and set off some alarm, like 20 meters away. We hit, we hit the first time it happened. It wasn't even the haze machine. Some guy was cutting plasterboard and the, the dust set it off and you know you know it's becoming an issue when you you know the fireman by name and you come you're like oh hey jared <laughs> hey jared sorry just me again <laughs> oh i bet as soon as the fire trucks see like the location where they're going to they're just shaking their heads going oh and they get like they get real like um you know, you are being a danger to the rest of the community. And you're like, dude, I know I, the shame is on me. I have so much shame. You do Talk, not have to warn me again. Talking about the fear of failure, man. That oh, feels like oh, such a failure. That's next level failure, man. Oh. Knowing the firefighters by name because yeah. you call them out that much. It's, the, it's like the, the, the biggest walk of shame seeing a fire truck with oh. its lights on, like, or hearing it come towards you, knowing that you have to say... False alarm again. I think I do think though. I reckon I understand why they do it, but I think the system could be improved as to how they because basically anything can trip a smoke detector, and these things are automatically rigged to call out fire al- alarms. There must be like a system where it's like no, no, it has to be 
it has to be triggered by somebody saying, yes, this is a fire, you know? Yeah, it was tripped one time because there was dust in the sensor. Yeah. It's like, what do you do? Yeah. And they get mad at you and it's like, man, like there needs to be, um, like, you know, when you, you smash the glass and you can hit like that, I can understand. Anyway, this is totally, totally off track, off but, track, um, but man, that ang- I've got, I've got anxiety. My, my hands are like, Ooh. <laughs> oh. oh man. So fear of failure. How many times have you actually failed in your life? Like where your worst nightmares have actually come true? I don't know. Like it, it sounds bad, but like not in the big things. I feel like I've been really lucky. Like just, I've just landed on my feet many times, but. Why does that sound bad? Because we're doing a podcast about the fear of failure and I feel like I failed in having lots of failures. <laughs> <laughs> you failed in not having enough failures to talk about. Um, no, I'm. there will be things, but um, I remember like burnout for me felt like a failure, but I, it, I don't think it was. I think it was part of that journey and I've processed that enough to say that now, but that felt like a failure. Like, wait, 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 wait. This is, this is big. Like, let's not gloss over this. <laughs> Who's the burnt out people? No, 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 no. I'm serious. Like the thing, cause I've thought of that before too. Like when I've been in a bad place and felt myself getting run down and just close to, I mean, I don't know what burnout feels like cause I've never been through it, but I think I've been close, like, and you get there and you, there is those thoughts in your mind of like, I'm a failure. I'm not, I can't, I can't keep up this machine of like, like how much I can do. And you feel like you're letting somebody down for that. Yeah. Um, That your body physically can't keep up with, with whatever's expected of you. And you feel like you're, you're not um, measuring up somehow, like you're not good enough or you're not, you're not making it somehow, you know? And um, so I'm just really, really, when you said that, I'm like, far out. I think there's something really big here. Like how, how how did that feel for you that you, you were going to be a failure because your body is literally saying like, this is too much. Yeah. I, Oh man, it's such tough because I still have flashbacks where, you know, it's not like, oh, I see it clearly now. And so I'll never experience that feeling of like I failed again. Like I still have flashbacks where I go, oh man, I'm start believing that narrative. But I've understood now that it's, it's like giving a kid a heaps of lollies and saying, don't get a sugar rush. You know what I mean? It's impossible. We live in a world where everybody's driven everybody's expecting productivity and the most out of everyone. Um, and so it's bound to happen. It's just inevitable that some of us are going to, and uh, the other thing I was going to say to that is burnout dramatically um, manifests differently in people's life based on their personalities, based on their uh, way of coping and stuff. So one person's burnout can look totally different to another person's Um and it can go very extreme and it can be very subtle or, or not noticed. Um, but yeah, I think just going like, Hey, the feeling of like, if I didn't have my phone on, I felt like I'd failed everyone. Um, because they would always, as, as soon as it answer, they'd be like, Oh, I can never get a hold of you. And 
I've I've just become so careful with that now because it I believed it. I believed that if I didn't, I wasn't res- and I, at ten o'clock at night. I'd have phone calls and uh, have phone calls at six o'clock in the morning um, from contractors just trying to, you know, oh, we need your keys to get into the building or, and it's always like an impossibility. So I went to study management because I figured if I could understand how to manage organizations better, I could avoid that. But all I saw in management was like, I mean, I learned a lot. I learned a lot in that course. It wasn't like a negative thing, but I definitely saw that it's not normal to carry so much responsibility. It's not normal. And that was put on myself and I felt like I was failure for not being able to carry stuff. And I think um, people need to be freed from that and realize that it's just part of the journey of realizing you can't do stuff. And I wish I was through the whole thing, but I'm not. But I do have hope now. And I, I didn't have hope for about two years. And it felt like suffocation. But now that I have hope again, I feel like... Um, this is actually a benefit to me because it's going to be an asset to my future journey. That's awesome, man. That's, that's really powerful. And I, I know that, I mean, talking about it, it helps me and I know it will help other people out there as well. Um, and there's, there's lots to dig into. And like, I mean, you might even, I don't know if what your experience here is, but you might even feel like a failure because you don't feel that hope straight away. Oh, yeah. Because you, you didn't get over it straight away. It's like, oh, I should be over this by now, you know? And and so you feel shame for getting it in the first place, like you've failed, and then you feel shame for not coming out of it fast enough. Oh, you've hit that on the head. Yeah, that's it, bro. It's like, like, it's, it's I a should nev- be better. Yeah, it's like a never-ending cycle of shame, just coming again and again and again. I, I It reminded me, like a friend of mine um, asked me to give some self-efficacy um, tips. He, I, th- he, I think he's writing an essay for his studies, but um, if you... Wait, sorry. I know we talk about deep and intelligent stuff, but yeah, what does efficacy mean? I, I knew you were going <laughs> to ask for a definition, so here it is. Okay. <laughs> Self-efficacy is a concept originally proposed by psychologist Albert Bandura, and it refers to an individual's belief in their capacity to execute behaviors necessary to produce specific performance attainments. Oh my goodness, bro. That word is a scare. I'm scared already. Like the, do you, so it's saying like the ability you see in yourself to operate at a high capacity. Yeah. So it's your, your individual's belief, um, in your own capacity to execute what you need to do, basically what you need to do to get the job done. So basically don't be weak. Well, it's, it's like, it's almost like your self-worth in a way, or like your well-being, your wholeness, your, your belief in yourself that you're, you can do the job in front of you or, you have what's required. Um, mm, okay. Yep. Yeah. So and what did you tell him? Well, he was talking about from when I was a beginning teacher, right? Um, and like, man, I remember so many failures on my um, my journey to becoming a teacher of just like feeling 
like I'd hit a wall. Like I just couldn't go forwards. Like I was like, I, I don't know if I've got what it takes. Um, and the, the ability to pick yourself up and just keep going is like, I don't think that should be looked over because it's powerful. It's, um, when there's nothing left in the tank, the self-efficacy is like, you, you know that the true self inside of you is okay and you're okay and you can, wow. you can keep going. Um, but it comes after a lot of crying, you know, a lot of tears yeah. and, and, and a big journey. But I basically said that like some of the things that have worked for me along the way is stuff like developing a strong self-awareness. So with kindness and compassion, you're investigating your motives and trying to understand why you do the things you do. Like we've been talking about why we have certain motivations or want to do certain things in order to like, what are we trying to get from it? Cause mm. when you can figure that out, you can kind of, it's, it's not that you stop doing those things that you're doing, like, you know, really cool stuff you do it for different motivations you do it just for the love of it you do it for the enjoyment of it rather than getting someone's approval gaining that acceptance that we were talking about at the start um so there's there's that there's self-awareness that was huge the start of that journey for me was the enneagram yes um then there's oh man this was a huge one is um developing work personal life boundaries where yeah. you aren't letting work bleed into your personal life. And for people like us who are like so driven and have like really naturally goal orientated and um, set ourselves quite lofty goals and we've, we, we, we want big things, you know, like, um, and when you're that driven, you can so easily just become a workaholic. And you don't even see yourself doing it. And if you're, I know Travis in last week's episode, he, he was talking about how his partner sometimes pulls him up on it if he's working too much. And, um, and I said, yeah. And when they do, it's like, you're like, no, 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 everything's fine. It's all good. Don't even worry. And he's like, yep. Every time <laughs> when really you you know that you're overstepping a boundary and you're, you're letting work become too much of a focus in your life. And like some of the, some practical ways that you can avoid that is by, um, we have an internal like messaging and like, um, communication sort of a app that we use Microsoft teams. And, um, I don't have it on my phone right. and I also try not to check it outside of work hours. I don't always succeed at that, but like I try not to check it on the weekends and, because you can open it up and as soon as you open up, you see a message from a fellow employee and you're just like, oh, yeah, you know, your head's sucked right back into a work problem. Yeah. Um, having private social media, like it's weird if you're trying to run a business or something or you're trying to like your social media is a part of your your brand, but having private social media can help, like not adding colleagues on social media. I mean, these are just some some of these tips won't be applicable to everybody, but it just helps to like keep that boundary between work and personal life. Um, but a big one for me was like just 
staying at work too much, you know, like doing things outside of workout, just because you're so driven, you're so passionate, you, you have a vision in your head and you know, it's going to be awesome. Um, but you end up just overdoing it, just being there too much at work. You're talking yeah. about, yeah, yeah. Taking breaks, like the amount of teachers that don't take their lunch breaks, they just do these extra programs that um that the school requires of them or like as part of their job description or something, you know, um, during their lunch breaks. And it's, I don't think that's healthy. No. Like I don't, th- yes, you've just spent two hours in class. Like you need a, you need to take a break. You know, you need to, or if, if, especially if that's the way that you recharge or, you know, you just, your body's like, I need food. I need to just pause for a few minutes. Um, Keeping an active tab on your stress levels and monitoring what practices you have that are actually not sustainable over time. Um, And then watching out for burnout, like, this is a really important thing because it can creep up on you, I think. And you think you're okay and you think you're okay. And you'll be able to speak into this a lot more than I can. But I have a feeling and based on what I've heard from you that it is something that just creeps up on you. And then suddenly it's like too late. You've depleted the tank too far and it's almost like you can't refill it again. Yeah. You're psychologically locked into draining it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that's interesting when you, some of those things about work and the boundaries, I remember in management studies, they said that, um, in the old days, the idea was to create a drivenness and a passion you wanted passionate employees who were just always amping. And when you employed people, you wanted to employ the people that would go above and beyond their job description. But the narrative changed now and people are now looking to employ people who see their job as a workplace role. And um, because those who are passionate generally burn out, those who just turn up for work and then clock out and do what what's required of them last much longer. That's really interesting. And man, yeah, you're right. The conversation is changing around this. Um, I, I just remember so many influences and authors writing books about hustle and doing more and how to be more productive and how to just squeeze every single drop that you can out of your productivity. Mm. And I think, yeah, we are starting to see the the fallout of that. 100%. And I think that's going to continue. We'll still see fallout for a while yet. And, and you said something earlier that I want to loop back to because it ties into this and I think it's fascinating. You said um, that failure was something that you, you failed to achieve um, the successful thing that you had in your mind. And I thought in your mind, that's that's the problem. The problem is we create these utopias in our mind and then strive towards them. And that's why we're letting down all these boundaries and that's why we have these problems with working too much is because in our mind, we've tasted this utopian experience that we are like, we have to get there. Otherwise we failed. And if we don't get there, then we feel like that's the failure. And we attach so much of our destiny and our self-worth and our significance to that imagined state. And I don't think it's real. 
but I do think it is a mirror. I do think it's a reflection of our destiny and who we're created to be, but it's a distorted one because it, it, it sort of attached our destiny to, oh, we have to be, we have to do all these things to get there instead of realizing that I think in these moments we see us, our full potential and who we're becoming. And instead of accepting that, we try and build our way there through activities and, and jobs and work and this utopian mind experience of, oh, you know, for example, the podcast, we're going to have such a big reach. We're going to have all this revenue coming in. Oh, we're going to have such a, you know, lineup. And it's like you can you can build it in your mind and taste it. And when you're younger years, that's almost like the drug that pulls you in and pulls you into burnout too, you know. Yeah, and you um you set up this imaginary mirage in your head. You don't realize it's a mirage, but you awesome you, mirage. you set it up and then you get there. This is the crazy thing is I can I, I know a bunch of scenarios where I've reached it. I've reached that thing in my head that I had imagined. I get to it and I'm like as I'm approaching it, like I'm not even quite there yet, but I know that it's like I can get this. It's elusive. It's, it, it disappears. Yeah. It's like the feeling that it promised of like bliss or whatever. It just goes, it disappears. And it's, it, it's something that we, I think we create that because we love, we're in love with the feeling of having something to attain to, to reach out for, to, to journey towards. And there's, there's nothing wrong with like having a goal in mind, but we get so fixated on it being the the ultimate cause of our happiness and when we have it we'll be truly truly there we'll have arrived and how many times do we have to see someone arrive and still be unhappy to realize that that's not the way yeah what do you think about this like as a discipline once a year setting aside a date in the calendar once a year and on that date you take a pilgrimage to another town or to another place and you actively uh, do something, whether it's throwing something away, whether it's writing or journaling, whether it's just going for a walk, you actively surrender everything. Throw your phone into um, Lake Topor <laughs> or something. Just turn on the haze machine and walk away. <laughs> <laughs> just act, you know, but actively going like, I am willing to lose everything. Yeah. I'm willing to lose it all. And and what would I do if, and it sounds terrible to say this because, you know, with family, it's your, your role in, in, in a family is to look after and protect each other. But, you know, if I lost my family, um, would I be okay? Of course I wouldn't. But, you know, what would that mean? I have to give up my family and see that they're just a gift that I have to make the most of and enjoy in life. You know what I mean? Live detached. Yeah. Letting go. There's a really cool, um, audio book on, um, Apple books. That's called letting go by Richard Rohr. And I'm really, really keen to listen to it. I bet it's going to be challenging, but I'm excited. Um, wow. This has been surprisingly deep, even for us, like, we're normally deep, so I've not got great depth perception. So usually people are like, man, that's deep, and I'm like, oh, what is it deep? I saw a great meme about that actually. Um, anyway, yeah, you, I, I need to know that. You need to show yeah, me. Yeah, I, I, I need to find it because I think it would be right up your alley. Um, 
I know to send it to you now next time I Appa- see it. Apparently my personality can go like deep when I meet somebody and we start talking. I get very unstimulated by talking about superficial things and I'll just go deep naturally. And I, I am, apparently I am not aware that other people don't like doing that all the time. Oh man, I relate so hard. Do you know what this is like? It's like, you know, at, um, we have these lakes here in Whangarei, um, for people not from here, that you walk out, it's Kaiwi Lakes, by the way, mm-hmm. um, for local residents, but you walk out a certain distance and it's, you know, you can stand <laughs> up and it's fine and you're just, it, you can see the bottom, it's all good. And then out of nowhere... It just, it's like you fell off a cliff into the, the deepest Mariana Trench of the (laughs) ocean. And you're like, what the, that's what it's like with people like us. We just want to go straight. Like, I hear you that there's small talk is like, you're zoning out. You're just like, oh yeah. Yeah. And then someone's like, and then I really struggled with depression and you're like, oh, I'm listening. (laughs) Or like, like here's a great example of being like, oh yeah, yeah. So do you have kids? Yeah. I've got four kids. I've got two. Oh, oh, true. Did you always want kids? Um, yeah. Yeah. I think I did. Yep. Yep. Oh really? Well, you know, and you just start exploring that and suddenly it's deep. Yeah. And people are like, Oh, it's so personal to talk about this. I'm like, oh, uh, okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we can go back to the weather if you want. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this is this has been really, really good. Um, yeah. have you? Do you have anything else to add before we wrap it up? Nope. Wow, that's the fastest wrap up ever. Thanks for listening, everyone. Look after yourselves. Um, watch for burnout, and uh, I'll see you in the next one. Thanks so much for listening everyone. I love this chat so much and was really blown away once again by Matt's willingness to share about some of the darkest times in his life. It can be so difficult to strike a good balance between passion and how much time you spend working. But trust me when I say that that balance is worth figuring out. If you'd like to support the show, head over to our Instagram page and give it a like and a follow. And if this episode helped you, then consider sharing it with a friend. All right, I'll see you all on the next one. Keep it fresh.